The following contains content that is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. The Devil and Mrs. Tremblay Written by Craig Moody Narrated by Jessica Caruso Three. I didn't feel guilty. Weeks went by. Winter set in. Christmas was near, but I never once felt an ounce of remorse. Even when Edgar made love to me, I thought of Joe. I remembered his touch, his fullness and depth inside my body. Edgar must have been impressed with himself as I climaxed far more than usual. You know I love you, Edith. Edgar said one day at breakfast. The ground had long hardened and the snow was starting to pile up at the side of the house. I love you too, Edgar, I said in return, keeping my focus on my toast and coffee. I have never wanted another woman, only you. He continued, keeping his eyes fixed over mine. I've loved you since the first moment I saw you. I kept my head down, suddenly guilty and ashamed. I knew from that first moment that I... What is this, Edgar? I huffed, dropping my toast onto my plate and lifting my eyes. What are you doing? What? He was stunned, shocked. I don't want to hear this now, I commanded, pushing myself from the table and moving to the sink. I could hear Edgar collecting himself and moving off into the living room. Trapped inside this house because of the winter, we would have to face each other eventually. The air around us stale and awkward due to my outburst. Still, I didn't care. I didn't want to hear Edgar confess his long-lasting love for me. It didn't upset me. It enraged me. Of course I loved my husband. I just didn't need to hear him say it. Not now. I spent the rest of that day avoiding Edgar. I scrubbed and re-scrubbed the bathroom tub three times over, only stopping when my fingers had begun to bleed. I thought about Joe. I wondered what he was doing at this very moment. I longed for his glance, his touch, his naked flesh against mine. I wanted to fuck him here and now on this bathroom floor. I wanted Edgar to just disappear, to go away forever. I wanted to spend the rest of my days with Joe. It was Christmas Day. Bill and Molly stopped by. We exchanged homemade gifts and enjoyed a meal together. They ventured off to visit some long-distance kin leaving Edgar and I alone for the rest of the day. Edgar had bought me a pair of silver earrings from Boy City. I assumed he had acquired them while he was there selling the harvest. I thanked him and put them on, but later took them off and shoved them in a drawer. I gave Edgar a pair of gloves and socks I had knitted. He was grateful, but our conversations remained stunted and awkward. Finally, the day before New Year's Eve, Edgar cornered me in the bathroom. What's the matter, Edie? He whispered, his voice flimsy and weak. 
Don't call me that, Edgar. You know how much I hate it. Sorry, he replied softly. Nothing is the matter, Edgar, I snapped. I am fine. I was in the middle of my bath. I didn't want to be disrupted, and especially by a whimpering Edgar. That's a lie, he retorted. I know you, Edith. Something is clearly wrong. I just stared at him, a sudden anger and rage building inside my chest. You can tell me, hon. You can tell me anything. I glared at him, my eyes icing over as frozen and cold as the earth just outside the bathroom window. I heard my own voice echoing around me before I could consciously register the words I was speaking. Even I was shocked to hear my own confession. I fucked Joe. I heard my voice announce, strong and bold as it resounded clearly around the bathroom walls. My eyes cleared and I saw Edgar. His face frowned, his hand reaching for the closest wall. I fucked him, Edgar, in his room, the night before he left. He touched me in ways you could never. He made me feel like I've never felt before. I felt my eyes narrow as I aimed my final blow. He made me feel like a woman, something you've never been able to do. I felt a tinge of regret as Edgar's face fell into a look of sorrow and defeat. I watched as tears began to stream from his eyes and down his cheeks. Still, I didn't move or attempt to comfort him. He left the bathroom. And I finished my bath in peace, unfazed and uncaring at the severe damage I had just caused with my words of direct and sincere honesty and truth. Edgar didn't speak to me for weeks. Even though the ground was frozen, he attempted to work in the snow. I was not sure what he was trying to manage or accomplish out there, but he worked steadily day in and day out. He only returned to the house to sleep, often hours after I had already gone to bed. He didn't dare try to touch me. We slept side by side in a bed as cold as the ground beneath the floorboards of our farmhouse. Finally, after weeks of silence, Edgar confronted me again. I want to go to church with you, he stated, his eyes dotting nervously in every direction but on my face. I want to talk with the preacher. I stared back at him, a mixture of sympathy and annoyance fighting for my response. I want to pray with him. Edgar continued, slowly moving his eyes over mine. I want to save our marriage. I shook my head. It's too late for that now, Edgar, I whispered. To my surprise, I felt a tear escape and slide down my cheek. I haven't felt the way I feel for Joe for anyone in my entire life, including you. My heart sank as I watched tears stream down my husband's face. The only man I had ever loved, who had been my entire world for just more than 15 years, wept in front of me like a child. I couldn't allow myself to feel regret or remorse. It was true what I said. I loved Joe in a way I never loved Edgar. Yes, I definitely loved Edgar. I always would, no matter what. 
but my love for him was like that of a daughter for her father. He was warm and safe, comfortable and secure. But my love for Joe was raging and wild, passionate and erotic. My flesh dampened just thinking of him. I woke up in a panic. I looked over at Edgar, asleep by my side. Edgar, I whispered, shaking his shoulder. Edgar, wake up. He moaned and rolled over, his eyes dark and puffy from crying. What? He asked in a sleepy voice. I love you, Edgar, I whispered. I'm so sorry for hurting you. I love you. I love you. I am so sorry. A heaping mass of tears, I felt myself fall into his arms. He hesitated at first, but finally, my husband wrapped his arms around me and pulled me close to his chest. My tears flowed with the rhythm of his heartbeat. Neither of us spoke. Eventually, we both succumbed to sleep. I spent the next few days doting on Edgar. I teased him and made jokes to the best of my ability. I looked forward to Sunday. Despite the cold, we were going to venture to church. I couldn't wait to see Edgar there. It would be the first time I had seen him set foot in the church building in nearly 15 years. I fantasized about what would take place on Sunday. The preacher would scold me for my transgressions. I would be shamed for my infidelity. I would be scorned for my position as an adulterer. But as Christ himself would do, I would be forgiven by both the preacher and my husband. I longed for Edgar's forgiveness. I hated seeing him so wounded and defeated. I refused to even think about Joe. I wished him nothing but sadness and destruction. I raged about him in my dreams. I saw him die in horrible, terrible deaths by wild animal attacks or uncooperative farm machinery. I wanted nothing more than for Joe D'Angelo to disappear from the earth altogether. Sunday did not go as planned. Brother Tom, our preacher, laid into me relentlessly for what I had done. I couldn't believe he was scolding me as if I were a defiant, disobedient child. I'm so ashamed of you, Edith, he admonished. I've known you since you was born. Your mama and daddy didn't raise you up this way. Your daddy is rolling right now. His poor soul just stirred up and ashamed of his daughter. I can't believe you would shame your folks this way. I have a good mind to try to reach out to your mama. I looked up at him, tears staining my face and blurring my vision. No, I whispered. Please, Brother Tom, do not contact my mama. The preacher stared at me for a long moment before resuming his rant. He seemed to take what I had done to Edgar personally almost as if I had done it to him. When all was said and done, Edgar and I cried as Brother Tom asked Jesus to forgive me for my awful betrayal of my husband. He asked that the Lord bless Edgar with the ability not only to forgive, but also to slowly forget the awful pain I had caused him. I felt my entire body go limp with shame. I was a pathetic, soulless harlot, 
who deserved every bit of the humiliation and scorn I was being served. I respected Brother Tom, and I was deeply hurt by his disappointment in me. Edgar didn't say a word as we journeyed back home. I continued to cry in silence, truly and woefully remorseful for everything I had said and done. I blamed Joe. I blamed Edgar. I blamed myself. I thought of the devil on Molly's card staring out at me, unblinking and unwavering. Edgar tried long and hard to find a replacement for Joe. He called every farm in the county. Not one had a spare farm hand or son old enough to take Joe's place. In the spring, Joe would return, and Edgar and I would be forced to face and live with the embodiment of my sins. I could help you more, I pleaded, begging my husband not to bring Joe back to the farm. I promise, I can do better by you, Edgar. You could teach me. I can do what you show me, I promise. Edgar peered at me over his mountain of mashed potatoes. It had taken me an hour to scrape the mold off the withering potatoes. Our winter supply was growing low and desolate. We only had a half dozen or so chickens left. By the end of the week, we would have killed and consumed them all. The boy was the best hand a farmer could ask for. Edgar admitted, his voice sullen and his face fallen. I have no choice. My back still ain't right and there's no way I can handle everything on my own. Besides, with the boy here, we were able to pull in what we used to back before the crop prices fell. I know, I sobbed. But I can't have him back here. I can't face him. I can't have you facing him. Edgar sighed and dropped his fork against the plate. It's fine, Edith, he cooed. I've given it over to the Lord. It's just business now. I will clear a space out in the silo for the boy to sleep in. We won't have him back in the house. He can eat and sleep out there like the pig he is. I smiled and nodded. I had no other choice but to go along with what Edgar wanted. Brother Tom had a big mouth. Word of my infidelity had spread all over the county. Molly Jefferson confirmed this to me the moment she walked up on our front porch steps. The whole of Boy City is buzzing, Edith, she declared breathlessly, her large shoulders heaving as she struggled to catch her breath. I warned ya, I warned ya. I nodded and lowered my head. I didn't say it directly, but I saw this in the cards. That's why I warned you. I saw you making this mistake. I saw it months ago. I listened as my neighbor continued to blast me with words of disapproval and judgment. Finally, after at least 30 minutes had gone by, she settled herself in enough to give her mouth a rest. I offered her coffee and encouraged her to detail another subject. I listened half-heartedly as she confirmed several batches of gossip concerning other Cimarron County residents. I was relieved that she seemed content not to bring up me, Joe, or Edgar again. The storm is still coming, Edith, she warned as she gathered her personal belongings to leave. It comes up again and again. I see it in the cards whenever I do a reading for you. You do readings on me when I'm not there? 
I asked, curious and annoyed. Of course, darling, she declared. I do them daily. I read for everyone. I ain't going to be caught unprepared by someone else's drama and God-given judgment. I stared at her, hoping my expression was enough to dissuade her from continuing this conversation. The devil is in that storm, honey. The storm of dust and wind. It's coming. I don't know when, but it is coming. She shot me a final glance of warning and concern before spinning on her heels and walking off the front porch. I didn't bother to see her off the property. I simply returned to the kitchen, dumped her half-consumed coffee, and started my dinner preparations. Joe arrived on March 3rd, 1934. There were no formal greetings or friendly exchanges. He simply went to work as if no time had passed since the last time he was here. As far as I was aware, Edgar never mentioned a word to Joe of what he knew, but I knew Joe had to be informed that the entire county was privy to our affair. I avoided Joe at all costs. I would stand and wait for him to walk far into the fields before passing certain windows. I didn't want him to see me at all. As Edgar promised, he had cleared out a space for Joe in the old silo. The nights would be long and cold out there with the stored wheat and grain, but it was what he deserved. I had slowly formed a severe hatred for Joe. I felt he had used and seduced me into fornicating with him. I could never imagine myself behaving in the way I had with Joe so openly and willingly. Also, I could never imagine myself speaking so harshly and cruelly as I had to Edgar. I winced every time I recalled some of my bathtub admission to him. How could I ever be so crass and vulgar? The days had begun to roll into one another, and I never once encountered Joe. That is, until the first Sunday night after he had arrived. I awoke that night to the sound of a whispering voice. I opened my eyes to see Joe standing in the doorway of the bedroom. I started to cry out, intent on waking Edgar, but something in Joe's face silenced me. He motioned for me to follow him downstairs. I did so, reluctantly. Cold and defiant, I stood across from him in the kitchen, refusing to go near him. I just wanted to apologize for what happened. He began, clearing his throat of his overpowering and obvious nerves. It was my fault. Damn right it was. I hissed, the dim light of the nearby lantern only slightly illuminating my face. I didn't want you back here. I hate you. You have caused nothing but destruction. I actually prayed for you to die. I heard Joe gasp slightly. Even I was surprised by my words. Again, he continued, keeping his eyes fixed firmly over mine. I apologize. Get back to the silo, I commanded. If I catch you in this house again, I will kill you myself. I didn't wait for his response as I swept out of the kitchen and back up the stairs. I slipped underneath the covers, Edgar still sound asleep beside me. The intense pounding of my heart keeping me awake for hours. The next day, Joe had run away.
It took Edgar hours to find and convince Joe to return, but unwillingly he did. The boy didn't have much choice. He needed money so he could eventually move off his family's farm, and Edgar most certainly needed him. I guess Joe didn't tell Edgar about the encounter he had with me in the kitchen. At least Edgar never brought it up. Still, whatever happened, Joe never stepped foot near the house again. Weeks rolled into months, and once again the blistering summer heat consumed the land. Just as before, Edgar had become fixated on the weather. He prayed for rain more than a mother prays over a sick child. Just as before, his incessant chatter about impending rainstorms bored and then annoyed me. Finally, one evening in late June, I snapped. Enough, Edgar! I shouted, dropping my knitting needles onto the floor. I can't stand to hear you go on and on about rain. Edgar just stared at me, a half-rolled cigarette dangling from his lips. Fuck! I shouted, storming out of the room. That night, as Edgar lay beside me, I thought about my attraction to Joe for the first time in months. I slipped my fingers over the wet flesh between my legs until I climaxed in the dark. Edgar wasn't snoring like usual. Perhaps he was awake. Perhaps he heard me touching myself. I hoped he did. The night before the last day of July, I made my way to the silo in the dark. Joe resisted, but I forced him to make love to me. Once he relented, he ravaged me like a wild animal. I moaned so loudly my voice echoed around the silo walls like Edgar's long-sought thunder. Joe climaxed inside me twice. I climaxed so many times I lost count. Since things had been mostly healed between Edgar and me, we had returned to regular lovemaking, but just as before it was uneventful and boring. Months of built-up frustration and longing had me pounding my naked bottom against this strong and handsome young man. I did things with him I couldn't even repeat to myself, much less to another living soul. I bit his neck as I left him, his body soaked with our shared perspiration. I think Edgar sent something in the air the next morning. I caught him gazing at me longingly during breakfast. What? I snapped. Stop staring at me. He dropped his eyes to his plate and finished his breakfast in silence. I could hear him shouting angrily at Joe all throughout the day. I didn't care. Perhaps Edgar knew what had happened last night. I didn't care. Perhaps Joe had said something to him about it. Still, I didn't care. I waited for the hours to pass so I could again meet Joe in the dark. I wanted nothing more than to ride my wet flesh over his face. What's going on around here, Edith? Molly asked as she sat herself at my kitchen table. I can feel it everywhere. What's going on? I was busy scrubbing the oven. In fact, I hadn't slept. I stayed up all night long cleaning, scrubbing, and reorganizing the kitchen. 
Edgar had asked me twice to come to bed, and each time I had shouted at him. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't rest. If I wasn't fantasizing about Joe, I was frantically rearranging and sanitizing the house. I had begun to see colors by the time Molly stopped by. Edith, she shouted, grabbing my shoulders and spinning me to face her. Stop scrubbing and listen to me. My eyes darted over the woman's face. Molly, my one and only friend. I smiled and laughed. <laughs> oh, Molly, I teased. You are such a worrywart. Just stop. Let me be. I'm fine. Molly just stared, refusing to move away from me. I don't think so, Edith, she declared. I think we need to get a doctor out here. I laughed. <laughs> a doctor. And who's going to pay him? You? Yes, she stated. Yes, I will pay him. I think you really need to talk with the doctor. For what? I shouted. Because I clean too much? Is that a sickness now? Molly gripped my wrists. I am just saying, I think it would be wise for you to speak to the doctor. Dr. Johnson, you know him. We all do. He's a good man. I will pay for him to come and see you. Fine, I answered, rolling my eyes. You're just wasting your money, Molly Jefferson, just like you did when you bought them damn devil cards. Molly didn't reply. She hesitated for a while before leaving without saying goodbye. Hi, I'm Craig Moody, and I want to thank you for listening to Craig Moody's Novel Bites. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast to be notified when the latest episodes are released. Print and digital editions of my previous titles are available through all major retailers. For more information or for links to my social media, please visit craig-moody.com. Until next time.